Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms now wide. If we're going to feel, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning, good morning. It is Monday, the 8th of August, 2022. I'm Carmen LaBurge. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. So glad you are here today. So let's see, what in the world's going on in the world? Well, let's lead off with the Word of God. Today's Growing Your Faith Growing Your Faith verse of the day, which you can get in your inbox every morning just like I do by signing up at MyFaithRadio.com. Today's uh, Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So how are we going to live into today's growing your faith verse of the day? What does it, I mean, it's totally counterintuitive and even countercultural to give freely and then consider yourself becoming more wealthy. But if you've ever given freely, then you know exactly what the wisdom of this verse points to. We certainly um, gain uh, the whole world (laughs) when we uh, share generously, even uncomfortably so, um, with others. So I thought that was a nice segue into this little tidbit that uh, Paul Perot, our producer, sent me today. Today is National Sneak Some Zucchini Onto Your Neighbor's Porch Day. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a a, a bountiful um, crop in your garden. Today's the day, apparently, to sneak some of it onto your neighbor's porch. Zucchini, because if you plant one zucchini plant, by now you have grown tired of zucchini and you want to share uh, the abundance with others. I'm sure that's what's going on. So make some of those zoodles, some of those zucchini noodles. That's kind of fun. Or slice them really thin, um, dry them out slightly on a paper towel with a little bit of salt, um, and use them in replacement for lasagna noodles in your favorite recipe. There you go. That's uh, It's not Tasty Tuesdays cooking with Carmen, but um, I'm Generally always thinking about it. Uh, it is today. Today is the first day of school for lots of people in lots of places. Certainly lots of college students packing up to head off. Uh, so let me be inviting us uh, to be praying today as either you're getting ready to go back to school or you're sending folks off to school today for the first time. Uh, I had to remember this morning that someone needed a lunch pack that hasn't needed a lunch pack since the end of May. So there you go. Uh, I added that to my morning before I joined you here. Um, So let's pray for kids and parents and teachers and bus drivers and school resource officers and administrators and cafeteria workers and custodians and coaches and librarians and special ed teachers and classroom assistants and that lady who holds the flag out there, the crossing guard. Um, How about the school nurse or counselors? Who did I miss? Who did I miss? Add them to the list as well. Think for a moment about the schools that are near you. School zones that you pass through as a part of your regular rhythm or regular route. So, you know, recognize you're going to have to slow down starting again today or this week or certainly within the next month. And so why not just go ahead and get into a routine of slowing down and praying for that school 
and the precious people in it. Pray a hedge of protection over it and around it. Pray for God's spirit to have free reign. Pray that the enemy would be bound at all points. Pray for hearts and minds to be illuminated and curiosity encouraged and anxiety of every kind met with an overflow of God's perfect peace. You could do that today. You could do that today. The schools that are uh, in proximity to where you live, the school zones that you pass through. Um, I'm thinking, uh, you know, in particular, right, about kids and teachers preparing to go back to school in Uvalde, Texas. Right? You can do that. I can do that. Let's be praying today for uh, schools in our area. Dave Buring is going to join us next from Lion Share. We're going to talk about rejoicing. Any little rejoicing in your life? Ooh, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Be full of cheer. Be well. Be glad. Yeah, that'll be refreshing. Let's do that next here on Mornings with Carmen. to you and good morning to Dave Buring who is joining us again this morning. You can find Dave and what we're talking about today at lionshare.org. Good morning, brother. Hey, how are you today? I am uh, uh I am full of it as we like to say. I am uh, <laughs> I'm raging full of the Holy Spirit. I am possessed. I am a woman possessed today of the spirit of the living God. So, you know, look out. Yeah, wow, you're a dangerous lady. Oh, you know, that's that's the way we roll, man. All right. So um, we're going to rejoice always. This seems like a really good topic for um, for, you know, the first Monday of August. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. First Thessalonians five says rejoice always pray without ceasing and everything. Give thanks. And I like this for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, you know, if you ever wrestling with what is the will of God for my life? This is a good place to start. Right. Start rejoicing. Hmm. We have a listener who says, my prayer life right now, I mean, this text just came in, Dave. My prayer life right now is at a hard, dry place. I'm truly struggling. Um, I don't know how to pray anymore unless I'm, you know, like standing in front of other people. So, um, and then I'm wondering if it's genuine and sincere. Let's uh, let's invite this uh, this person into yeah. into rejoicing this morning. Like, right, part of it is just start rejoicing. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I think... You know, when it says rejoice always, it just literally means that. It means bringing joy, be glad at all times. And I think uh, yesterday I was in a setting where I heard this passage mentioned and I thought it was really good. I think one of the things that we we don't think about as often as we can is what it says in Luke ten twenty: rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Like mm. think about think about lists that you'd like to be on, you know. Mm broadcaster of the year, you know, um, best, you know, best-selling author. Um, you know, there's, there's lists that we wish we could be on, but one that I don't think we actually take the time to really reflect upon is that it says rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's, that's a game changer because no matter what happens here on earth, no matter what someone says to you when you try to share Jesus with them, whether they, they receive what you say or they reject you, your name is still written in heaven. That's a great, that's a great place to start. 
Yeah, I think that um, remembering who God is um, and remembering what God has done in the past, where he has proven himself to be faithful, sometimes that helps us cope with disappointment or difficulty in our current circumstances. Yes, very much so. And I think pausing to be able to, again, reflect on God's character and knowing who he is, it, it causes us to bring stability into our lives. And, you know, one of the things that I find with this whole area of rejoicing always is, do we really trust in who God is? It, it um, you know, going negative Nelly or being upbeat about something. And, and when I say upbeat, I don't just mean just being positive and just being optimistic. I, I mean, this thing is rooted in the fact that we know who God is. And in spite of everything around us, there can be this inner joy that bubbles up from the Holy Spirit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit that lives and dwells within us. It can bubble up inside of us because we can see a bigger perspective. And there's times, Carmen, for me, I'm in the midst of it and it's intense. It's difficult. It's challenging. I wish it was not so. I wish I wasn't there. But I have to switch gears because it's, it's, I can't always dictate my circumstances, but I can adjust what's going on inside of me. And there's times I have to pause and through that lens of who God is and his love for me, I have to stay, okay, is God, what is God saying to me through this? What's he doing in me? What's he doing through me? So it's a, it's really important. All right, good morning to each of you that's chiming in on the text line this morning. Um, I see you. I am uh, responding as quickly as I can. Um, And so everybody out there, if you are interested in texting in this morning, pretty much anything, 877-933-2484. Dave Buring and I are going to continue our conversation in just a moment. We're going to talk about making rejoicing practical. How do we practically rejoice and how do we give thanks in everything? In everything? Really? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Dave Buring from Lion Share. You can find what we're talking about and lots of other resources at lionshare.org. Um, and if you've always been wondering, like, you know, how do I, uh, how as a disciple do I grow? Like, there should be a journey of discipleship. Somebody should help me on my journey of discipleship. Mm-hmm. The discipleship journey is actually available for you at lionshare.org. It's nifty the way that works. Hey, that works. let's... um. Let's talk about making it practical. Um, what does it mean to pray without ceasing, and how do I give thanks in everything? Yeah, because those things are all tied together in this passage from Paul. And I think, uh, you know, prayer seems to be one of those things that everybody who I've ever met as a Christian, except for maybe a handful of people, it's something we feel like we're never doing enough of. And I think part of the dynamic in play there, again, is 
do we recognize our dependence on God or am I dependent on myself, my own resources, my own gifts, my own strengths and other people around me? And I think one of the things that we have to begin with each day is recognizing my great dependence upon God. Like, like Carmen, for me, there's, and, and it's not, not a negative. It's just the reality of it. I will often go to scriptures and acknowledge things like, Lord, I, uh, I just feel really weak out of first Corinthians. Lord, I feel needy out of Hebrews four. I feel powerless out of Romans. And I just acknowledge that Lord. And some, some days it's all three. Lord, I just feel really weak, needy and powerless today. And I surrender this back to you. And then I, I look at Philippians where it says, when you do that, then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And sometimes I have to begin my day in that place to recognize my dependence upon God. And that positions my heart and mind in a place that I can pray without ceasing. And, it, you know, I can't always pray verbally out loud because I'm in the middle of having a conversation with somebody. But my attitude can be one of dependence and listening inside. Yeah. And for, you know, and for the person who is saying, it's just I'm having a hard time praying at all um, mm-hmm. to imagine praying without ceasing. Um, yeah, that's really me beyond my imagining. I think part yeah. of this, Dave, is also that we're a body of believers and mm. um and when I think of the Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father who art in heaven, mm. hallowed mm. be thy name, thy kingdom come, mm. you know, that give us this day our daily bread. It's not mm. it's not just this purely individualistic way that we tend to think about discipleship or even prayer. Yeah. Um That's it. it's it's communal. There's a body. And let me just say right now, if you're having a hard time praying, just recognize that we're praying for you. We're mm. praying for you while you're having a hard time praying. Like that's yeah. how the body functions. And so thank you for sharing your difficulty related to that. So we can be praying specifically for you today. The text line is a great way to communicate that. 877-933-2484. Um, in everything, give thanks. In in everything, in all and any and every circumstance, not for what's going on. It doesn't say yeah. in every, you know, right? I'm not giving thanks for everything, but I am giving thanks in everything. This is a matter of perspective. This is a kingdom perspective conversation. It is. It's a really important one. And, and I think because there's not uh, been a lot of discipleship in, in followers of Jesus' lives around this, we, we succumb like the world around us. And when something doesn't go well, we just can go negative and we can get down. And I think, you know, someone once told me years ago, darkness attracts darkness. And when darkness is there in our lives, it, it invites the enemy of our soul, the devil, to come in and to mess with us on that kind of stuff and to, to sow seeds of doubt and to, you know, bring anxiety upon us. And I think this whole area of in everything give thanks, and, and again, you made that point, it's not for everything, but it's in everything. And I've got story after story in my life that I could share where I was in difficult straits. And I just had to say, okay, God, I'm pausing right now and it feels foolish to my flesh, but I'm pausing right now to give thanks to you in the midst of this, knowing that you've got it, knowing that you're on it. And in the Romans eight portion, you know, where it talks about, uh, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us is it's huge. It's like, God has got this. Nothing has caught him off guard. And so the key is, do we cultivate it? Do we actually purposely look for things to give thanks for, or do we tend to lean more 
you know, down, negative, that kind of thing. So it's a good, it's a good thing to start the day with. Yeah. And it, it, it helps me to consider like maybe what those false narratives are that run through my mind, those, um, those limiting beliefs, those things that aren't true, right? Like I, I believe there are some lies I believe. And so getting to the place where I can say, okay, you know what? God is good. And Jesus has taken responsibility for me. Like he, mm-hmm. when I gave my life to him, he took all of me. Um, it's not yeah. as if, you know, he yeah. left me with the icky parts. No, yeah. he, he actually loves me all the way through and through and all the way through the valleys and all the way, you know, right? Um, and so talk a little bit about that this morning, just this, the reality of who God is, what he has done in Jesus Christ and what's available to each and every person listening right now who is um, maybe holding on to some limiting belief or some lie that's just not true um, about who yeah. we are and what God wants for us. Yeah. And, and you know, Cheryl and I, my wife and I were just talking about this as we were um, hosting someone in our home this week. And we realized that as we were talking with them and we discussed it with them, we said, do you, do you realize how many lies you're actually believing? And so when I say that, I contrast it with what the scriptures say. And they were believing lies about all kinds of things. And so we just put it out there. We say, let's talk about this. I said, do you believe this? Yes, I do. Is that actually what God's word says? No, it's not. Okay. Do you see that you have that's a stuck place, or the Bible calls it a stronghold. It's a place where the enemy of our soul tries to get us to believe something. And when we believe it, you know, and, and think about it and repeat it over and over, it becomes a part of who we are. And God is our Father, wants to come to us, and He wants to expose those things, expose those false beliefs, those lies, and be able to help you replace it with truth. And there's a process, um, Carmen, that those that work with me on my team, we, we walk through and we walk through it with this you know person that was in our home the other night. We call it repent, receive, resist, replace. And so it's rep- beginning with repentance of saying, okay, God, I own this, that I've been believing a lie and I repent for it and I turn away from believing opposite of what you have said is true. So there's a repentance and there's a receiving. God, I receive your forgiveness right now. In Jesus' name, for the, for that, and it's really receiving that and and believing what the Scripture says. As far as the east is from the west, He removes our transgressions from us. And then there's the resist, and that's the place. It's kind of you get your warrior on, and and it's in the name of Jesus. So let's say it was rejection. In the name of Jesus, I just resist rejection in Jesus' name, and I'd say I do not give you place in my life any longer in Jesus' name, and it's cutting it off. And then the last one is replacing it with truth. What is the truth there? Well, I mean, we could go in all kinds of places on this one, but Psalm 139, God has fearfully and wonderfully made me. He knew me when I was in my mother's womb, all these kinds of things. And you realize before you even took one breath, he was madly in love with you. And so it's replacing it with truth. So it's repent, receive, resist, replace. And it's activating that reality in our lives. It's, it, it does a wonder as you walk in truth like that. Hmm. Repent, receive, resist, replace. Hey, just to affirm you a little bit, uh, Jim in Simsbury, Connecticut, who listens avidly every day, says, wow, that last paragraph he just said, that should just be on a loop. Put that on a repeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could use that repent, for me, too. 
Repent, receive, resist, replace. Maybe we should just put that on repeat today for each and every one of us. Repent. Repent. Recognize, um, you know, where those places of need are in our lives, where we have missed the mark, where we are not believing the truth of who God is and therefore who we are. Um, Repent. Receive the grace that God's offering in Jesus Christ today. Um, Receive all of the promises of God poured out in the scriptures Resist um, falling back into false belief. Resist unbelief. Get your warrior on. Uh, In the name of Jesus, resist and then replace. What is the truth uh, about reality? And what is the truth about you? What does God say about you in the Bible? Those are your I am statements today. Mm -hmm. Um, So Dave Buring, thank you as always for joining us, um, reminding us of the reality of who God is, the truth of who we are and then equipping and empowering us to, you know, walk out this day in faith. We, um, we love talking with you. Love talking with you, too. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Hey, we're going to um, go upwards with Max Lucado. Uh, and then I'm going to share with you a message from listener Sally in Kodiak, Alaska, listening right now along with you to Faith Radio. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. All right, Sally, listening on the Faith Radio app in Kodiak, Alaska. Hey, good morning, Sally. Sally says it's 3 a.m. here. I brought you with me when I moved from Bloomington. All right, so um, Sally, formerly from Bloomington, now of Kodiak, Alaska, you know that everyone wants to visit you, right? Like... (laughs) You're like, you are now like on my, oh, I think we need to go see listener Sally in Kodiak, Alaska. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So um, good morning to Sally in Kodiak, Alaska. A good morning to those of you listening um, across the Faith Radio Network and those of you listening on the Faith Radio app. Now, Jessica, who is also uh, listens every day from somewhere in Georgia while she's walking Newman, the dog. Um, she texted in a little earlier and said, oh, you changed the logo. You changed the logo on the Faith Radio app, and I almost couldn't find you. All right, so that is an incentive to go check out the new Faith Radio logo, um, and be sure you know where the Faith Radio app is on your phone. And if you say to yourself, hmm, I don't think I've ever downloaded the Faith Radio app, then I'm going to say, like, what? what are you waiting for? First of all, it's free, and it's great. Um, and so, yeah, download the Faith Radio app. Take us with you everywhere you go. It also makes it uh, really easy for you to get the show notes every day. You get access to the links for all of the articles that we talk about um, and links to all of the guests that we have. So it's really cool. Um, and there you go. The Faith Radio app. When the show is posted as a podcast right there on the app, then it's got all of that jazzy uh, stuff in it as well. So. Um, So do that. Go to MyFaithRadio.com and download the Faith Radio app or just tell your app provider, like, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, you know, that you want to, I don't know, subscribe to Mornings with Carmen. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. After the Supreme Court decision in the Dobbs case, which returned, as you already know, the decision about abortion access to all of the states in the union, the conversation has been raging. There have been debates. There have been court battles. Um, and there have been votes in at least Kansas. Um, and there is a new law in Indiana. On and on and on and on and on. 
So what's the status of abortion access in your state? And what are you and your church doing to support women who are pregnant? Um, What does it mean to be pro-life? Not to just, you know, have the law on whatever you consider to be your side, but what does it look like for you and I to be supporting real women, having um, real pregnancies, delivering real babies, and then offering the real support that they're going to need to uh, to raise them in a way that, you know, is beneficial and a blessing. So uh, we're going to talk about how the debate over abortion is affecting um, everyone. Dr. Adam Carrington is going to share with us about a vote in Kansas that took place on the Value Them Both Amendment. Well, that and a whole lot more. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. What is in your state constitution? Do you even have any idea what your state constitution says about some things? Uh, the people of the great state of Kansas uh, have learned what is in their constitution in regard to life. They just uh, rejected an amendment to their constitution called Value Them Both. Dr. Adam Carrington is here to fill us in. All right, Adam, good morning. What did the people of Kansas vote on and how did they vote? Yeah, a a little background is, I think, helpful. In 2019, the Supreme Court of Kansas declared that the Kansas Constitution, not just the U.S. Constitution, protected a right to an abortion and actually protected it even more stringently than the Supreme Court had said about the U.S. Constitution. So that's an important background. So when Roe v. Wade was overturned this summer by the U.S. Supreme Court, Kansas's constitution was still read to protect abortion. This ballot initiative was to say that the the Kansas constitution does not protect a right to an abortion and does not require funding by, by the government for abortion. And basically it was going to say that this Kansas constitution leaves it to the state legislature to make any decisions about abortion. And um, as, as I think anyone following it uh, saw, with a pretty massive turnout, Kansas Kansas voters rejected that by a bit, pretty large margin. And so that means that for now, the Kansas State Supreme Court's opinion that Kansas' constitution protects a right to an abortion is still in place and still restricts uh, voters and the state legislature from doing anything more about it. So um, I think this proves out few things. Um, I will make the observation that adding an amendment to a state constitution is no small undertaking, and we should never underestimate um, those who are advocates of abortion, abortion access, um, and government uh, paying for abortion, um, because the turnout related to um, those who did not want to see the constitution amended to protect um, life was was clearly overwhelming. Absolutely. And this is Kansas. It's not a particularly purple or blue state, even though at times it's had a bit of a blue streak when it elects governors and some things like that. But uh, I think it just shows that um, the, we, and a lot of people said when Roe v. Wade was overturned, this is just the beginning of the battle. This is just the beginning of trying to uh, fight for life. And now the new battleground is 
convincing voters, convincing state legislatures, and uh, it, you're, you're not going to win them all. And I think what the pro-life movement needs to take from this is start to ask, well, why did we lose? Well, what were the reasons? Uh, did we need to be clearer about what we were trying to accomplish? Did we need to have a more modest restriction on abortion? Because I think that's something that the pro-life movement hasn't had to deal with before and needs to deal with now is what is the what exercising the virtue of prudence and prudence is trying to get the most justice and good out of the situation that's possible not trying to get the most justice and good that would be possible if the world were perfect so what is the most uh, the best way you can protect life uh, how far can you go in protecting life state by state and trying to figure out that question of prudence while still always trying to do more and more to protect the unborn. I think that's something that, that the pro-life movement is asking and needs to be asking in, in light of what very clearly was a, a pretty hard defeat after a, a, you know, earlier, earlier this summer having such a great victory at the court. Okay, when you say the question of prudence, take us into that a little bit deeper. Um, I am thinking here that um, there are things that it might be prudent to seek to um, include or remove in terms of laws of the land. And there might be other things that it's less prudent to seek to do immediately. Like maybe there needs to be an incremental approach. Yes. And, and I say a thing to look at was would be Abraham Lincoln about slavery before the Civil War. The Civil War sort of threw a, a wrench and all that. But he at first just wanted to not expand slavery beyond the states that existed in and make it sort of cabined in, segregated out so that uh, slavery you know, it didn't go anywhere else. It wasn't because he was fine with slavery where it was. No, he thought that was the wisest and best possible way of constraining it and putting it on the path to extinction. I mean, he said that. And so I think what pro-lifers need to be asking is, we still have a lot of people that are pro-choice. We still have a lot of people that are really unsure. We have a lot of people in the middle between a fully pro-life and a fully pro-choice position. Um, so asking that question, does it need to be incremental? Do different states need to have different laws? There may be states that are going to be fine with full-on abortion bans. We're testing that in certain states right now, like Louisiana and Kentucky. Um, are there other states where a 12-week ban is is the most you can do is what does it help and it really should that uh, you package it with uh, programs that are helping women in crisis pregnancies I mean that should be done regardless of the electoral consequences of it um, and and that's the kind of questions that need to be asked and I think looking at uh, earlier fights for justice where there were times where you just had to take what you could get and then keep fighting for more as you went um, that's that's part of politics, and that's part of convincing um, your fellow Americans of what justice is, even when you are sure of what it is. Uh, sometimes people need to be brought along and convinced, and that's the task of the pro-life movement now. It's we've moved beyond uh, voting for presidents so they can put judges on the courts. Um, that era of the pro-life movement has passed. Uh, the new era is can you really truly convince your fellow voters, your state legislatures, about the case for life and what do you need to do incrementally, if need be, to make that more and more of a reality? And, and it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting test for the pro-life movement because so many people 
are, so, I know, frustrated that they've been waiting so long for this. They've been waiting so long to protect life more, to protect it better. Uh, and knowing that this battle lies ahead can maybe be disappointing, but it's also an opportunity, uh, I think, to pair democracy up with justice. And that's something we need to, to work toward. All right, I'm going to read a couple of things related to um, a law that just went into effect in Indiana and then uh, invite you to maybe comment on both the Indiana law and or the Georgia law. Georgia says uh, if you're pregnant, that child can now be counted as a dependent um, in terms of uh, your state taxes. So that's an interesting approach in Indiana. Indiana became the first state to place a near total ban on abortion. Um the governor there uh, signed the bill late Friday evening, which will ban uh, the procedure except in cases of rape, incest, and to protect the life and physical health of the mother. The rape uh, and incest exceptions only apply in the first 10 weeks post-fertilization, um, and the ban, which will take effect September 15, would eventually shut down all abortion clinics because the procedure can now only be done in hospitals or outpatient centers owned by a hospital. So progress in some places, incremental in some cases, interesting approach in Georgia. Um, let's let's take the genuinely pro-life position that it's a life and allow um, allow the mother to count that as a dependent on her taxes. Yeah, and I think that that matters. It matters, one, for financially supporting uh, women in difficult pregnancies and, and circumstances surrounding that. It's also just another way that the law can say we value that unborn child and we are going to put our money literally where our mouth is in that situation. And so I think that's not a bad thing at all. I think it's good. And I think with Indiana, um, I don't know that every state is going to be how its voters are going to support as, as far as Indiana went. But even they, as you said, had certain exceptions, certain exceptions for sexual assault, for incest, for, for those sorts of things. And, you know, we, we still I think pro-lifers can say we still value all life, even if uh, a, a great evil and atrocity was part of how that child came into being. But we still value the child. But we what can we do in a particular state at a particular time to protect as many lives as we can? And if that's as far as Indiana can go at this point, that's really far uh, toward the protection of unborn life. So I think both are good things. I would be in support of the national government. I think Senator Rubio just recently put a bill similar to Georgia's uh, up to say that we would that, that the national government on your taxes will recognize uh, from the moment that you're uh, that, that a child uh, comes into being, that they have uh, all the all the all the you know tax breaks and other things that come with with having children. I think that is you know we we need to have a holistic approach. We need to be supporting families as a whole. We need to see in many ways the pro life movement needs to make sure it continues to be pro family and that pro-life is part of being pro-family, and that means acting beyond just banning abortion to doing all these other things that show value for, for the, uh, for the un, unborn child, but also for the families that are going to be raising and, and, and nurturing this child as, as the child comes, uh, comes into the world. Yeah. Um, when you mention uh, Senator Marco Rubio, it just reminds me, we just got to be praying ardently for the, the people who are in positions to stand up in public 
um, and advocate for policy that is genuinely pro-life. So thanks for the reminder to be praying with and for him today. Hey, we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Adam Carrington in just a moment. He actually has written an op-ed that appears in the Washington Examiner. We're going to talk about state elections and why why um, they're going to be more important this year than maybe in uh, in any recent year. So um, what's going on at the state level of elections where you live? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio's social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. Um, Adam, why don't you brief us in on um, what you wrote? It's posted at the WashingtonExaminer.com for those of you look at, looking for it, but it'll also be posted in my show notes later today, which you can pick up at MyFaithRadio.com or on the Faith Radio app when the podcast is posted. Um, why, um, why do you say that this November state elections matter, maybe more than they've mattered in the past? Yeah, and, and I also argue that they should matter more than we often give them credit for. We often focus on national elections when, if you go back and read what the founders wrote, the states were supposed to be one of the primary levels of doing the main things government does to protect your rights, to look for the common good. But I think it's more states have sort of made a comeback, one, for what we were talking about last segment, abortion, that now state elections matter uh, deeply as far as the question of what is going to be the abortion policy, what's going to be the protections or not protections of life at the state level. So that that's one that uh, the Supreme Court sort of threw back to the states to make them much more powerful. But two other issues I pinpoint. One is the, the rising crime problem, that it is actually the states, not the national government, that is the first and main line of protecting us against violent crime and with the rise in crime that's been going over the last several years, we really should be asking of our state legislators, our state governors, and the local officials that work with them, um, how are you going to address this issue? How are you going to do it justly so that you're not harming innocent uh, uh, people that are accused falsely? But how do you also protect those who are the victims of, of violent crime when it's been rising? And then the second is, I think uh, many of us would agree that there's a crisis in education and that part of the crisis that we're having in education is a question of how do we um, train the next generation to be decent human beings and citizens? And how does our educational system play into that, not just focusing on making workers 
and not having certain ideologies that are the, the pet projects of, of certain parts of society uh, be the dominating thing that our children are learning. And again, it's still the states that are the primary place for that. The real battles over how your children are educated and what they should be learning is a state level or local level that's connected to the state question. So, on and if you see, the things I laid out are some of the most dominant issues that are facing us. Yes, we still have inflation. Yes, we still have these pocketbook issues at the national level. So I'm not saying those don't matter. But these other questions really are state-level questions and, and, and make the state elections really matter in a way that I think people haven't realized in, in, in past years, for at least the last couple of decades, to be honest. Yeah, I think teacher um, teacher certification is a part of that as well. Like states decide um, who can be a teacher in a particular state and what their qualifications will be, what their worldview, what acceptable worldviews, um, you know, are going to be allowed in the classroom. I I couldn't agree with you more, um, Adam. It's, it, you know, all politics is local. And the more local you get, maybe the... Um, the higher level concern we have. So, yes, our national elections matter. Our state elections matter even more. And your local elections um, matter, uh, you know, matter at a level that's like, <laughs> I mean, literally down to what's going to be on the cafeteria um, lunch line. Like, right. That's a you know, what's your what's your school board doing in relationship to these? Let's bring um, maybe either Georgia or Arizona um, into spotlight when we start talking about. Um, how state elections matter. Um, I know that uh, the U.S. Senate on Sunday passed this sweeping $430 billion bill. Um, they say that it is going to reduce inflation, um, but at its at its basis, it's really intended to fight uh, so-called climate change. I don't know how else to describe that, right? It's, it, it is also designed to lower drug prices and raise corporate taxes, um, it's being viewed today as a major victory for President Joe Biden. Uh, and it really ultimately, you know, came down to like Senator Cinema, like one senator from one state, a couple of senators from Georgia. And that, you know, would remind us that it's important to go and vote even in special elections because it was a special election that put um, particular senators in place for the state of Georgia that uh, tipped the balance and uh, resulted in a 50-50 Senate. And this is one of those votes that was broken by the vice president. So it's kind of a kind of a civics lesson in real time. It is. And I get, going back to the state level, yes, Cinema is a national legislator in the U.S. Senate, but the Senate has always been meant to first and foremost represent the states and the people of those states, but as states as opposed to particular districts. And I think that, uh, you know, two things I'd say. One, I mean, we'll see uh, even, even people that are fairly um, positive toward this legislation aren't really convinced that it's going to do what it claims to do, which is bring down inflation. It was the Bringing Down Inflation Act or something like, along those lines. Um, and even its attempts at deficit reduction, almost all are coming after 2026. And usually when bills do that, when it comes time to actually do the, do the, to do the hard stuff, it doesn't happen. But um, again, yeah, it shows that, uh, that elections matter and that, um, uh, as, as and I guess it really also reinforces that the midterms do matter at the national level as well. Going into this this fall, uh, the Senate's going to be up for grabs, the House is going to be up for grabs, and um, yeah, we're, we're we're going to have to see if this is a serious effort at bringing down inflation. I have my doubts, or if it's really was just a repackaged climate change um, 
bill that is really meant more to play to, to President Biden's base rather than trying to reach out across the aisle to do something that might con- convince voters that are suffering with a lot of their uh, budgeting and pocketbook issues right now. Um, I feel like it increases the uh, the chance that we're all going to be audited. That's pretty much my perception. <laughs> that That is such a strange... Um, uh, I mean, that that just is that that's an attack ad waiting to be set for the whole fall, uh, that they're going to now have tens of thousands of more auditors. And as people have pointed out, those aren't going to be going after billionaires. Mostly those are going to be going after working class people who are, you know, like I think most of us listening, including myself, that uh, I, I guess I'm not working class, but I try to you know, I do my taxes on my own and, and do my best. But, you know, I if I'm going up against the IRS, you know, what what chance do I've got? Uh, so that that seems such a strange, obvious looking like you're trying to milk people who are already being squeezed by a tough economy uh, to get more money to spend on luxury issues like what is in most of this bill. So, uh, you know, I, 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 it seems very out of touch with where American people, the American people are, especially on that upping the number of IRS agents that are being sent to see if you dotted your I's and crossed your T's perfectly. <laughs> ah, what joy. Um, Adam, thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, what Are you getting ready to teach this fall? Like, are we, you know, on a pace here to start classes? We we are. August 24th is our first day, and I am nice. having having taken some time off for health issues. I am very excited to be back, get back in the classroom and see the students and work with them. Uh, they're just a source of joy for me. So uh, getting ready, getting syllabi and reading packets and everything else together for that. Love it. I love it. Well, we're so thankful for God's healing um, in your life as well. That's Dr. Adam Carrington. You can find him at Hillsdale College. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. I, I have fallen in love with Sally. Sally is listening in Kodiak, Alaska. We've been texting back and forth um, all morning. First of all, let me just remind you all that it's like 3 a.m. The show's on at like 3 a.m. where Sally is listening live in Kodiak, Alaska on the Faith Radio app. I have learned um, after trying to invite myself for a visit that she used to actually host a bed and breakfast, but she's 88 now. So really maybe kind of beyond that. Um, and so I had myself wondering how we ended up with Sally, and she basically pick, picked us up like a hitchhiker. She basically picked us up like a hitchhiker on her way through Bloomington, Minnesota. She was moving from Oklahoma um, to Kodiak, Alaska, and um, picked us up basically like a hitchhiker in Bloomington on her way. Uh, and so I am delighting in Sally this morning. I'd love to hear your faith radio story. You have a story. Why do you listen? How has Faith Radio impacted you? We'd love to hear that. You can share it with us at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, yeah, we love to know where you are and why you listen. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. we got a whole other hour up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.